Hello and welcome to the latest Aon Pensions podcast, Retirement Market Update. I'm your host, Victoria Panormo, and today we'll be exploring some pensions-related headlines as usual, and then I'll be joined by Aon's Paul McGlone to discuss cybercrime for pension schemes and what actions you can be taking to mitigate or minimise these risks. It's time for the news. Cost disclosure templates. On the 21st of May, the Cost Transparency Initiative, CTI, launched a number of templates and guidance aimed at asset managers and other suppliers of services to pension schemes, which can be used to produce standardised cost and charges information. This nicely links to the interview in our May podcast with Dr Chris Sear of Clearglass and Aon's Neil Smith. This framework allows pension scheme trustees to make clear cost comparisons across different investment platforms enabling them to challenge investment managers on cost and performance to get better value for their clients. The CTI expects asset managers to be in a position to use the new templates and tools to report against December 19 and April 2020 year ends. GMP equalisation update. It's been a while since we've had one of these. The DWP has now released guidance setting out how schemes could use the GMP conversion legislation to achieve equality going forwards. It's important to note that the government is not placing any obligation on schemes to use this preferred method. The guidance suggests a 10-stage process to adjust an individual's benefits to compensate for post-1990 inequalities. The Association of Consulting Actuaries, ACA, has welcomed DWP's GMP conversion guidance and said that it is imperative that HMRC addresses the tax implications of GMP equalisation. Crikey, it's like pensions acronym bingo. It noted that the guidance was the first step in achieving the ultimate goal of simplification for DB pensions landscape, but that there was a need for significantly more detail before work can begin. DB funding statement. Following the release of the DB funding statement earlier this year, Aon held a webinar in April. The evolution of TPR's statement compared with last year adds an extra layer of maturity. Aon have produced a maturity scale which illustrates the impact of a scheme's funding dependent on the percentage of liabilities that are pensioners within the scheme, along with some other factors. The scale assesses schemes as being in one of four categories – from very immature to very mature. Since the majority of schemes are closed to new members, TPR expects scheme maturity issues to assume a greater significance for setting funding and investment strategies in the future. So it's important that trustees are familiar with how mature their scheme actually is. If you'd like to watch the replay of the webinar, you can find details on our website. TPR Clearer, quicker, tougher. Last year, TPR announced it was replacing its previous educate, enable, enforce approach with a new clearer, quicker, tougher mantra. This was demonstrated by issuing its largest trustee fine to date of 104000 to link pensions for multiple breaches of pensions law in relation to the McDonald's franchisee pension scheme. The DC Master Trust provides benefits for 148 members of staff at 32 McDonald's franchises, but it is independent from the overall McDonald's corporation. 
It is for the first time TPR has used enforcement powers for failure to provide members with SIMPs, failure to report breaches of law to TPR, and failure to have three trustees on a master trust. TPR is watching. State opening of Parliament. In the last podcast, we expected the state opening of Parliament to be imminent, but inevitably it's been delayed due to the Brexit deadline extension to 31st of October, which means the Pensions Bill has also been delayed, possibly into 2020. The Pensions Bill would legislate on initiatives such as Pensions Dashboard and CDC schemes. It would also strengthen TPR's powers to enforce legislation and go after the non-compliant. Having said that, TPR have just received an additional 400,000 from DWP to support policy work in relation to the dashboards. So although the pensions bill hasn't been finalised and announced, DWP are keen to keep things moving. EOPA stress test. On the 2nd of April, the European Insurance and Occupational Pensions Authority, EOPA, launched its stress test of the European occupational pension sector. The exercise is expected to allow important insights into the potential vulnerabilities of the sector. The core assessment refers to the direct impact of a stressed market scenario on the sustainability and funding of DB pension funds and on the projected future retirement income of members of DC pension funds. The deadline for participating schemes to submit their information to their regulators will be the 19th of June. For the first time, this includes an assessment of ESG exposures. EOPA reported ESG aspects will be of growing importance for the pension sector, and as a result, a main objective of the test is to investigate the exposure towards ESG risks. The pension funds involved will be required to provide qualitative information on all aspects of ESG, such as how they take into account ESG factors, the objectives of ESG integration and the way it's done. The analysis will be considered as a first step towards more comprehensive future stress testing for ESG risks. EOPA's results will be published in December. Don't forget you can subscribe to the podcast series through your smartphone or via iTunes and Spotify so you never miss an episode. If you'd like more information on any of these areas, I'll include contact details at the end. Welcome to the interview part of the podcast. So today we have with us Paul McGlone from uh, Aeon's Retirement Practice, who some of you may know very well already, but prior to today's interview, in preparation, I googled you, Paul. <laughs> and you might be interested to know that you're not the only Paul McGlone out there. So there's an investment banker. Yeah. There's a I poker did, player. I didn't think that it? was you. I didn't find the poker player. I found uh, uh, an ex labor counselor. Is that you? No, sorry. Um, a hypnotherapist. Mm, no, maybe a second career. <laughs> Um, I found the president of the Society of Pensions Professionals. Is that no, you? He, he, he's very suspect. You don't want, <laughs> you don't want to be talking to him. Uh, seriously, though, how, how, long, how long have you been at Aon? Do you want to have, give a little uh, snippet of your career? Yeah, so I, um, I've been with Aon for 28 years now. And uh, as, as well as, as you've mentioned, being the president of the Society of Pension Professionals, I, I clearly spend a lot of time advising clients on... Uh, 
pension issues. Uh, one of the things that we've been focused on recently, I guess the point of this interview is cyber risk and thinking about how that um, impacts on both trustees and sponsors of pension schemes. So o- over the last few years, cyber attacks have hit the headlines again and again all over the world. Um, it seems to be something new every week. Uh, how does that affect pension schemes? At, at the moment, it, it mainly affects them indirectly, um, which, which is good. Um, pension schemes should be something that cyber um, cyber criminals, if you like, are interested in. We've got lots of data, um, lots of assets, so millions of member records, billions of pounds of data, thousands of transactions going on every day, which potentially could be intercepted. So they should be something which cyber criminals are interested in. Um, to our knowledge, nobody's explicitly targeting those schemes, which is good. And most of the stuff we're seeing is consequential damage because of other things that are going on. Um, so sponsors being attacked, either deliberately or accidentally, um, providers being attacked. It's, it's those sorts of things. And although the, the cyber criminals are, are looking at data and looking at assets, perhaps the biggest impact is the reputational one. Um, normally, people aren't going out with a cyber attack in order to damage your reputation, but actually that's often one of the biggest consequences. So in terms of security, how would you assess the security environment in which a pension scheme is operating? It's quite tricky because the way pension schemes operate, at least most of them, is all of their functions are outsourced. So although the trustees are responsible for the pension scheme, the trustees don't have IT systems. They certainly don't have IT directors. Um, They don't have their own processes and controls for how they uh, manage data or manage assets, for example. It's all outsourced to somebody else. And so probably the biggest thing that trustees need to do is look at those third-party providers and and ensure that they have sensible controls in place, appropriate controls, given given the activities they're undertaking. Um, and, And that's where most trustees start when they think about cyber risk. Are these sorts of attacks inevitable for pension schemes? I think they are. Um, I was in a presentation recently and one of the cyber experts stood there and said there's two types of organisations. There's ones who've been attacked and ones that don't realise they've been attacked. Everybody is vulnerable to these things. Um, Trustees are, are no exception. And if you're in a situation where you think it's inevitable, then you should be planning for what happens. You know, one of these days you are going to be subject to something and what are you then going to do? And one of the things we're seeing, for example, is trustees making sure that cyber risk is in their risk registers, that they have some sort of uh, incident response plan that says when the inevitable does happen and we get hit either directly or indirectly through a provider or through our sponsor, what actions do we have already lined up that we can take? Do we know even who to call? Who's the IT department in our business that we call? Who are our insurers? Um, Do we have an incident response expert who we can call upon to come and help us through the process? So a a lot of pre-planning um, I think it's important, given that, as you say, it's almost inevitable. This strikes me as something that the hackers perhaps wouldn't discriminate on size. So any, any size pension scheme is vulnerable. That's what's coming across from what you're saying. I think it really depends on whether it's deliberate or not. If you're a cyber criminal and you want to go after pension data, you are going to go after the largest schemes because there's the most data there, there's the most assets there. And you'll accept that there's... Um, probably better controls in place, so it's going to be harder. 
Um, but a lot of schemes, a lot of organizations generally find that they're subject to cyber attacks, not because somebody targeted them, just because they were in the wrong place at the wrong time. If somebody sells out a phishing email to thousands of people, um, they don't know where they're going to end up. So there was a famous case a few years ago, I think it was Target, the American retailer. Um, and I believe the hackers got in by the air conditioning contractors because the cyber criminals found their way into the air conditioning contractors. The air conditioning contractors went in to see the retailer and at which point the cyber criminals went, oh, look, guess where we are? <laughs> and, they, and they hadn't aimed to be there. It's just where they happened to find themselves. And anybody could find themselves in the wrong place at the wrong time on the end of a cyber attack um, just because the wrong person clicked on the wrong email. So let's say uh, a, a cyber attack has taken place and these criminals are inside the system. How long is it going to take them to do some damage? It varies hugely. The The average time, um, and I can't remember where, where I saw this information, but the average time from somebody getting access to your system to uh, what they call exfiltrating the data, so making off with the goodies, is about six months. And that's because they come into the system and they might have limited access to start with. They might work their way around, you know, do a bit of reconnaissance, try and find out what's in the system and work out how to get it. Um, on the other hand, you, you see in the press stories that if you get attacked by the Russian state system, then it's something like 18 and a half minutes. Um, I, I can't remember if that was the exact number, but it's a frighteningly short amount of time. To be honest, if you're a pension scheme, I think you're unlikely to be attacked by the Russian state. Um, and, and I should say, I personally don't believe the Russian state do any attacking. So please don't, please don't come after me. Um, but, you know, if somebody serious comes after you, um, you probably just want to pack up and go home. Before we wrap up, I'd like to challenge you to leave us with an action for a trustee, a sponsor, maybe an advisor. I, I think it would be the same for all three of them, actually. Um, cyber as a risk is still relatively new and it's something people often struggle to get their head around. And I think by far the most effective way of understanding what this looks like is running a war game. Um, it brings everything to life. Over the course of an hour or so, you, you tackle the, the prevention issues around uh, phishing exercises, you tackle the consequences, whether it's communication with members or communication with the media, you think about the impact on reputation and the sponsor and insurance, and it brings the whole thing to life. So if there's one thing you're going to do, I would say go and run a war game. Everything else will follow from there. Thanks, Paul. So this is new. It's not going away. It's not an if you get attacked, but maybe more of a when. Just because you're small doesn't mean that it makes you any less vulnerable. But the big boys better watch out. So Paul's got his message across that it's good practice, is, is having the right internal controls, good governance for schemes when they're thinking about cyber, perhaps thinking about running a war game, thinking about the contingency planning will stand you in, in good stead for dealing with a whole host of emergencies when they happen. So it just leaves me to thank you for coming in. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for today. Thanks for joining us. You've been listening to the latest edition of the Aon Pensions podcast with me, Victoria Panormo, and my guest, Paul McGlone. If you'd like more information on our retirement solutions, you can contact me on victoria.panormo at aon.com. Otherwise, please visit our website or email us at talktous at aon.com. <laughs>